new day, a new hope, as the country inaugurates a new president and vice president of the United States. Alice, this week's inauguration was something that we have never seen before. It was unprecedented. It was historic. And I think from a bipartisan standpoint, it got a lot of really high marks in terms of focusing on the positive, focusing on our democracy and on the change that's coming. What do you think? I agree 100 percent, Maria. Look, you can cannot have seen the inauguration and the events and the fanfare and not think, wow, that was pretty dang inspiring because because it really was. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about impeachment. We're going to talk about COVID and all of that in uh, this episode of Hot Mics from Left to Right. I am Alice Stewart. And I'm Maria Cardona, and we would appreciate you all following us, downloading our podcast, telling your friends about it, and let us know what you think. I can be reached on Twitter at Maria T. Cardona and on Instagram at Maria Cardona DC. And you can follow me on social media on Twitter at Alice Tweet and on Instagram, Alice Stewart DC. And we'd love for you to uh, subscribe to our podcast, like Maria said, and you can listen to it on my website. AliceStewart.com. Alice, you know, one of the things that I was so proud of uh, in terms of this inauguration, and I know you feel the same, was just how much it integrated everybody in all corners of the country, from all communities. One of the things that I was most proud of, and I talked to you a little bit about this last week as we were planning it, was that there were also separate inaugurations from different communities and I had the honor of participating in and helping to plan the Latino inauguration which happened on the evening of the 19th and it was streamed it was sanctioned by the presidential inaugural committee Joe Biden spoke we had stars and celebrities from all walks of the Latino community I did a little segment on the importance of Latino essential workers and how important the Latino community was and how much we have celebrated the contributions of Latinos from even before this was the United States of America. And so this was one of the things I think that was so uh, uplifted and was such a big part of this year's inauguration was the diversity, the inclusion, the focus on the reason why we were here and we're able to inaugurate uh, Joe Biden and, and a historic figure like Kamala Harris, the first woman vice president of the United States, a woman of color, a woman of immigrant uh, descendants. And uh, it, it was just such a beautiful thing to admire how so many uh, communities really saw themselves in this inauguration, Alice. There's no mistaking that, Maria. And the certainly the Democrats benefit from having awesome uh, supporters in the Hollywood and entertainment industry. But the, the mixture of the songs and the selection of songs and the messages, I, I think, really resonated. And as I said, you have to be cold-hearted and stone-cold-hearted to, to not be moved by it. But one of the, the messages that stood out to me, and, and Maria, you know, uh, President Biden, uh, it's the first time I've said that, uh, he is committed to unity and bringing people together. But 
for some reason, one of the things that really stood out to me on Inauguration Day was the singing of the song, This Land is Your Land, and hearing This Land is Your Land, This Land is My Land. It made me, it just reinforced, I, I know it's silly and stupid, but it, it reminded me, again, this isn't red or blue or black or white America. This is all of our America. This is all of our land. And uh, it's really important we embrace that idea uh, as we start off in this new administration. I couldn't agree with you more, Alice. And, and again, the fact that this country really was, from its inception, made up of uh, immigrants, obviously Native Americans, but people from all over the world who came to this country to make a better life. And that's exactly what you saw through the celebration of, of the inauguration. And, you know, you talked about how um, the performance of This Land is Your Land, and of course, one of my idols, J-Lo, uh, did that rendition. And, and it was so moving. Uh, she also, you know, used a phrase in Spanish that essentially what it is also a phrase that you use during the song, which is, it means this land is your land, this land is my land. Esta tierra es tu tierra, esta tierra es mi tierra. And it was just so incredibly um, significant of the moment that we are in and how much everybody was a part of making this moment happen. And, you know, for me, that's really important because, as you know, during the campaign, and you have always been a part of this as well, one of the most important values that really came to light this election was making sure that everybody's voice was heard and, and was counted. That's the only way that we got to where we are is because so many people worked so hard to make sure that every community's voice was heard in this election. And I, I think you hit on an important point, and I wanted to ask you about this because, first of all, thank you for translating that part of what she said. I was curious. But... um. To, back to the point of, of the the event that you put together uh, this week with regard to Latinas, explain to me, you worked really hard. You did so much uh, CNN Espanol and international and communicating with the international community, not to mention, it cannot go without saying your show, Maria, on the El Rey Network, communicating with the Latina community. How, how if you can put into words the, the feeling, obviously, when he was nominated and uh, certainly won the election, but to see it sort of all come to fruition and to be celebrated and honored uh, this week during the, the inauguration, what is the, the sentiment of the Latina community knowing how, how important they were in making this happen? Alice, it was something that, that is almost indescribable. And so thank you for, I'm kind of welling up right now as I'm talking about it. So thank you for bringing it up. Um, because what we really saw was the Latino community, and again, not just the Latino community, but, but, but I'm glad you're bringing it up because there was so much of a focus during the election, as there should be and as they deserve, on the African-American community, and especially Black women, because there's no question that Joe Biden would have been the nominee, uh, would not have been the nominee uh, of the party had it not been for Black women in South Carolina and then throughout all of the primaries. So absolutely, they get their due kudos to our sisters in the Black community for doing that. But this was a group effort, right? All communities came to the table. And one of the most important communities was the Latino community. 
Alice. And one of the things that I worked so hard on over the summer was with my show, the Maria show on El Rey Network. And along with the conversations that we had throughout with so many Latino leaders and activists who normally never get a platform on national television, they were able to come on and talk about how, for example, all of the workers, the Latino workers out in the field and in the agricultural field um, who work relentlessly and, and, and did not skip a beat, even through COVID, um, to make sure that we all put food on our tables. And sometimes they couldn't even put food on theirs. And the activists to make sure that everyone in the Latino community who could vote came out to vote for those workers, for the dreamers, for everyone who did not have health insurance during COVID-19 or who could not take a day off to take care of their families. And, uh, and so I am very proud for whatever small part my show played in convincing Latinos that their voice was critical and that we could not see the change that we needed without everyone coming out to vote. As you know, the theme of my show and, and what I talked about every single uh, episode was that politics is personal because as you know, well, Alice, we wouldn't be doing what we do every single day if we didn't think politics was personal, right? That's the only way that you can take politics because what happens throughout politics, through your vote, through the people that we elect, through their policies and through what they do is the effect that it has on our, on ourselves, our families, our friends, our community. And there's nothing more personal than that. Exactly. And, and I feel like this was the, the inauguration uh, ceremony and the entire day. I wanted to watch the entire day because I wanted to see John Legend play so bad. <laughs> but um, but the, the, the key is that, as I said, it's so important to to share this as a country, but not to, to be the skunk in the garden. But uh, there's so many Republicans that are, are, are obviously uh, still frustrated and still upset. But I, I, my message that I've said often uh, this week is that, you know, you can certainly disagree on policy, but um, I, I don't support the policies of, of this new administration, but I sure do appreciate the tone and tenor and the uh, the the message that he's sending with regard to dignity and and empathy and respect and it's going to be certainly a, a nice change and a, a refreshing change uh, you know and and seeing so many people friends of mine I've communicated with that are Democrats or certainly Biden supporters I I'm con- congratulate them I'm proud for them and and same to you Marie I'm, I'm congratulating you for all the work you did. But I just am ready for us to, to all get on the, the same page and, and work together. And the words of unity, I, I think, are important, but it's, it's important not just in, in talking the talk, but walking the walk. And um, the, the goal now is for Americans and those in Congress to start doing that. Yes, there's no question about that, Alice. And, and I know that you also appreciate it, as we all do. And, and I hope that people who did not vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can hear their words and, and, and take them to heart and, and test them on it. Because one of the most important messages that Joe Biden repeated 
not just during the campaign, but throughout the inauguration, and it was in his inaugural speech, is that his soul is completely in this, in, in being the president, not just for the people who voted for him, but also, and maybe especially for the people that didn't, so that they understand that this, this country only works if we all work together to make it work. And that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. That doesn't mean there's going to be, you know, kumbaya from here on out. It's not. And we're all already seeing, and we're going to talk about in, in a little bit, the difficulties that, you know, are already arising um, in terms of impeachment and, and COVID relief and all of that. But that if we can start from the standpoint of respect and, and decency and, and really listening and hearing each other, I think that we can get to a point where everyone feels heard and everyone's voice is at the table. And that's the only way that the solution that comes out of this is going to be the best solution for the country. I, I agree. And, and on that issue of impeachment, uh, it, that's important to have this conversation. L let me start off by saying, obviously, we know that that is moving forward. Schumer has said that the House will send the articles of impeachment to the Senate on Monday. So there's progress moving forward on that. And these are articles of impeachment dealing with former Vice President uh, Donald Trump and inciting an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. He has been impeached by the House, and it's up to the Senate now to begin the trial. And, and I'll say this, Maria, I have always been opposed to the president questioning the integrity of our election. I've always been opposed to him challenging the election. I've been opposed to him refusing to accept the results and saying that he won and being dishonest with the American people ever since election night. And I've been opposed to this president uh, calling for people to come and uh, make their voices be heard at the Capitol and, in my view, inciting an insurrection. And I do think that actions like that should have consequences. And I'm not opposed to whether it's a censure or uh, impeachment. And I don't have a problem with that. But my question with you is, first of all, your thoughts on the impeachment moving forward. But the, the question of if Joe Biden wants to start off his administration with unity is um, going along with or, or not stopping the Senate from moving forward with impeachment. What does that do for a call for unity? I'm glad we're talking about this because this this has been an issue that has not obviously is, is going to be front and center um, as we move away from the, you know, really good feelings. Not that those good feelings should go away because they shouldn't, but from the inauguration, now we have to, right, get, get to work. And part of that is figuring out what that unity means in the face of impeachment in the face of trying to figure out what the um, splitting of the power in the Senate is going to be, right? To have the filibuster or not to have the filibuster, right? All, all of those issues are going to are at the forefront now. But I think one of the most important things that um, Democrats are talking about, and, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, having unity doesn't mean that people should be let off the hook for having a role in causing an insurrection that has hurt our democracy deeply and that essentially caused the death of six Americans. And for way too many Democrats 
when Republicans like, you know, Kevin McCarthy and, and now Lindsey Graham, who uh, are saying that, you know, this, this is not unity, that this is going to, you know, really hurt the chances for uh, America to come together if the Senate is going to be focused on impeachment. It, no, I think we can do both at the same time. And in fact, for so many people uh, for whom what Trump did, and I think this is the majority of Americans, including Trump supporters, that what he did was so offensive to our democracy and did not represent what the majority of his of his supporters value and want, um, including you, Alice. Um, so there has got to be something where he is held accountable. Yes, he was impeached. But what I now want to ask you, Alice, is it, because I've heard this from so many Republicans, is that they would actually breathe a sigh of relief if we, we could get to the point where the, there are 17 Republican senators who are willing to step up to the plate and have the um, valor to indict Trump so that he can no longer be the puppet master, the controller, you know, be the sort of dark cloud over the Republican Party, because he will absolutely be that if the ability for him to run for office in the future is not taken away, or at least he is not held to account for what he did. No, that's that's a great uh, question and, and issue with regard to what's going on in the minds of Republicans in Congress. And there's new stories out today. CNN has a piece out that um, behind the scenes and off the record and um, privately, uh, Mitch McConnell is, is has certainly made it clear that he's fine with senators uh, voting their conscience and, and going with their conscience. But there has been talk behind the scenes that he is um, not a uh, not opposing uh, if, if senators want to do so for that very reason that you said, Maria, that this would ensure not just that this president would be impeached twice and convicted by the Senate once, but he would no longer be allowed to run for office again. And that would indicate that Mitch McConnell would just as soon as uh, he would stay in uh, Palm Beach and, and never come out again. So that that's the, the big question. And and look, I, as as a Republican, I I think it's it's important that Republicans stand up for their values. And and I'm reminded Maria of back during the Benghazi hearings and people trying to point the finger and put the blame and make Hillary Clinton pay for Benghazi. And I remember Trey Gowdy, the Republican senator from South Carolina banging his hands on the table saying there's no statute of limitations on the truth. I happen to believe there's no statute of limitations on consequences for inciting an insurrection at the Capitol. And just because you're no longer in the White House doesn't mean that you shouldn't pay the price. So that's important to keep in mind that just because he's no longer in the White House doesn't mean that he uh, shouldn't face the consequences. I, I'm so glad you said that, Alice, because I, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, I think even if it's behind closed doors, I think the majority of Republicans feel that way. And, and, and in fact, I think that it would be such a, a necessary turning over of a new leaf for the Republican Party. You know, so many of, of, of our colleagues um, in, in the Republican Party, uh, Alice, as you know, would feel so relieved if 
Trump is no longer there as sort of this, you know, looming dark cloud, like, like I said before. Um, so we'll see what happens. And you're right. You know, Mitch McConnell um, has been, you know, not just privately, but he when he said publicly a couple of days ago that, um, you know, Donald Trump was to blame for what happened in the Capitol, that signals for so many, and I, I'm curious to see if you agree, that signaled for so many publicly that um, they should vote their consciences, right? A lot of people were saying that that was his move to give uh, political cover for Republican senators who were thinking of, of, of indicting him once the process for the, um, the case in the Senate uh, started to, to move forward. Exactly. And it's not really as much, you know, to impeach or not to impeach, but it is uh, what's, what's the action moving forward and what's in the best interest of the country, but also how do we do this in a way that, um, doesn't, uh, anger or frustrate, uh, the base that have supported President Trump. And I'm not talking about the insurrectionists that stormed the Capitol. I'm talking about the 74 million people that voted for President Trump and had his support. And many of them, for whatever reason, I don't understand, believed him when he said that the election was fraud and it was not a free and fair election and why, for some crazy reason, he continued to say that he won and Joe Biden lost when it's not true. There are a lot of people, for some reason, that still believe that. So it's important that members in the Senate, Republicans in the Senate, when they move forward with this, it needs to be done in a way that conveys to those people that this is not just because they are pissed off and they don't like Donald Trump and he's a bully and a jerk. It's because he was untruthful to the American people. He was wrong about the elections and he incited actions based on false information. And they need to convey to the supporters that that is the reason why they're taking this action, not just because they don't like Trump. I, I think that's exactly right. And I think it would be a huge opportunity for new leadership to arise and to be the ones to claim the mantle right now. I'm hoping they don't do it in the same way that Donald Trump did, but I think it's an opportunity for them to demonstrate, like you said, that those, the majority of the 74 million that voted for Trump do still have a voice in, in the party. But I think part of that process, a part of that evolution, Alice, has got to come from the hard acknowledgement and, and, and the hard truth that Donald Trump lied to the vast majority of, of, well, to all of his supporters. And, and frankly, that he was coddled in those lies. And this is why those lies worked and why his supporters believed him, because too many Republicans also engaged in those lies, gave those lies oxygen, gave those lies a platform. And of course, his supporters were going to believe them if no one else that they trusted was going to be out telling them the truth. And that's what needs to happen now, right? That is what needs to come out now. Like who is going to be the leader or leaders? They're going to come out and claim 
the mantle of these, you know, the millions of, of supporters that, that voted for Donald Trump but did not agree with him and did not, you know, who say that, that the people who stormed the Capitol are, do not represent them because I don't think that they do. But who is it going to be that's going to step up to the plate and represent those millions of voters but also respect them enough to tell them the truth? Exactly. And and that's the important aspect of it. It, it seems so um, sad or disheartening that we have to, the bar for running for public offices, who's going to tell you the truth? But unfortunately, that's, that's where we are. And, you know, in, with regard to being honest and truthful with the American people, um, I want to talk with uh, our next topic that we want to talk about, and that is being honest about COVID. And so many people Republicans and Democrats feel as though that the previous administration wasn't honest about some aspects of COVID and there's a new day. And as we do each week, we, we go through the stats and numbers of COVID and each week they are worse and worse. And it's just disheartening. The latest numbers we have on COVID from the CDC is 24.3 million cases 24 million cases in the U.S. and 404,000 plus deaths in the U.S. And the numbers are just incredibly sad and tragic. And the Biden administration, Maria, I think is is really um, taking action and taking steps to to really jump out and really attack COVID head on. It, there's no question about that, Alice. That's exactly right. And in fact, I think one of the things that you know, we heard all of our CNN colleagues, and, and I did this as well um, on Espanol, and I know you did as well, um, during the inauguration this week, is that it was so refreshing, as heartbreaking as it is, but it was front and center what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did in terms of honoring the people that we've lost to COVID, right? That picture at the um, Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, those 400 lights, each of which represented a thousand people who had passed away because of COVID was just heart-wrenching. And the fact that that was one of the things that was important for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to exalt during their moments, right, during their inauguration, was to pay tribute to the 400,000 plus Americans that we have lost to COVID, as well as to pay tribute to the everyday heroes, the essential workers, the, the first responders, the, the nurses and the doctors who are putting themselves in harm's way every day to take care of the um, COVID patients who have fallen sick. It was just an incredible tribute that really gave you um, you know, a, a feeling that we we are going to be able to get through this. Exactly, and and the best way to to address this is to hit it head on, and not just make people feel emotionally invested because so many people are. But you have to address it with regard to financial resources, and you know, I, I feel like there's there's many steps in getting legislation passed, and. Um, former boss Governor Huckabee used to always say this with regard to many laws, whether it's seatbelts or pollution or smoking, you have to change hearts and heads and then minds, and then you pass legislation. And clearly this week with the inauguration, 
a lot of people really took the seriousness of COVID even more to heart. And the next step is is legislation to to address it. And that President Biden has really put, gone all in. And his $1.9 trillion rescue package is being discussed now. And, and Maria, you know, it's it's obviously needed, but it's encouraging that we are seeing some bipartisan support for such a tremendous package. There's yes, absolutely, Alice. That gives me um, gives me hope <laughs> that we are starting out on the right foot here. That we are starting out focusing on on the country's priorities, which is you know the, the, the communities who who and the Americans who have been desperately hurting from COVID, folks who have lost their jobs, folks who have lost their livelihoods, who are hanging on by a thread if they're hanging on at all. Uh, you know, the stories that you hear throughout, uh, you know, so many communities that have been um, devastated by this are just heart wrenching. And, you know, this 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 was close to home for me this week um, as well. Alice, as you know, I tested for covid uh, earlier this week and I was not able to go do the coverage um, of the inauguration like I normally do um, in in Atlanta for CNN Espanol. They had me do something from here, which which was great, and I was happy to do that. Um, my husband and my son tested positive for it as well. We are, we are all doing fine. Uh, you know, like I told you right before we started this, Alice, and thank you for your thoughts every day. You've always reached out to make sure that we were okay, so thank you. We love you for that. Um, but, you know, Compared to how things could be, we are blessed. We are fine. We're just really exhausted and can't wait for this to be over. But given what, how this has devastated so many, we are absolutely blessed. And, and we, are, we count those blessings every day. But this just goes to show that anyone, anyone can get this at, at whatever moment in time. And, and I believe you even believe you had it early on um, and, and weren't aware of it. You just, you know, were very sick. And this was at the very beginning of it. So this, this gets anyone and everyone. And that's why this was so critical that we get this virus under control. Absolutely. And, and you know, I love you and, and your family, and I'm praying for you all every day. And um, I want people to understand, if, if you can, just share a little bit about um, how you're feeling, you know, how you've, what brought you to get tested and how, you know, share, share a little bit about how you're feeling. And I think on another note, what you're doing about it in terms of what are the doctors saying that you should do uh, to let people know. Normally, Maria comes and we record the podcast together at a studio here in Alexandria. And with, with her having COVID, she's at home and we're calling in and doing it. Um, very safely uh and i just if you can share a little bit so people will understand you know what how you're doing sure no thank you for that uh because i agree the more that anyone is willing to share their experiences i think that that helps other people out there i started with a dry cough when i got back from atlanta after covering the senate runoff and then you know the the what happened the riots in the capitol uh, I came back from that, and then over the weekend, um, I started with a dry cough and with a headache that would not go away. And then I started thinking, oh, my goodness, this could be COVID. Uh, my husband was feeling very tired as well. Uh, and then I said, you know what? If I'm going to go back to Atlanta, 
to cover the inauguration. I need to know one way or the other. And so I went and I got tested. And it's interesting. I, I first went to get the test with a drive up here at Walgreens in D.C. You can make an appointment and you drive up and you swab your own nose and then you, you know, put it into a little vial and you send it off. I think either I did something wrong or the lab mishandled it or something because when I got the results back on that Monday and I was this past Monday and I was supposed to leave on Tuesday, they came back inconclusive, which I thought was strange. And so then I said, you know what? I, I said to Brian, Brian, I need to know if I have this, I can't travel tomorrow to Atlanta. I need to tell CNN um, one way or the other. And so he found me a rapid same day, same day testing place in Georgetown. So he made me an appointment. I went, I got the swab, um, but it was done, you know, for me by uh, healthcare professionals. And then they let you know in 20 minutes. And sure enough, the when, when the results came back, they were positive. Now, at that point, the only, um, the only thing I was feeling was just very, very tired. And I had a little bit of a sore throat just from the cough that I had had earlier. Uh, and, but that's it. Thankfully, again, from the standpoint of symptoms, we have been very blessed. But so that after I came back positive, of course, I told CNN and, and my employer that I had it. And, you know, I talked to everybody that I thought I had come into contact with. Um, Alice, you and I had done the podcast a week before. So I made sure to tell you as well, just in case. Um, and, you know, for the most part, we keep away from everybody anyway. We, we have self-isolated most of the time. So luckily, there weren't that many people that, that we had to tell. Um, but then Brian went and got tested and then both my children got tested as well at the same, at the same service. And Brian came back positive. Sebastian came back positive and Sebastian had had the weekend before was really tired and he normally doesn't take naps during the day. He sleeps late, but he normally doesn't take naps during the day. He laid down and when I went to feel his forehead, he had a slight fever and that's when I, I was almost positive that he had it as well. Um, he's feeling great now, though. So, again, we're all feeling great. The The doctors that I have had conversations with after I came, after the, the diagnosis of, of being positive, um, they said, you know, you should get an, an oxygen meter, an oximeter, I guess it's called. And so I did. I went and I got that. And they say that it's good to know that measures your oxygen level. And if at any point your oxygen level goes under below 90, um, that you should call your doctor and then figure out whether you need to go to the hospital or not. And so we've been doing that nonstop as well as taking our temperatures, um, drinking lots of liquids, uh, lots of vitamin C, lots of zinc. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. Um, and obviously making sure to track our symptoms and, um, you know, we haven't had any difficulty breathing, which is, you know, the one thing that should be of concern and, and make sure, making sure that your oxygen levels are above 90. And so, again, we've been blessed, but it is freaky to know this. It is scary to know this just because you have heard so many, one hears nightmare stories about a person feeling fine one moment and then completely just, you know, going into symptoms that are um, scary for, for your health. So that's why we've been making sure to monitor one another. Maya Luna did not have it. She is squirreled away in her room, and I feel badly for her because she tells me she's bored. (laughs) 
but thankfully she doesn't have it. She has her own room and, you know, her own bathroom. So we make sure to keep her as isolated as possible. But man, Alice, I cannot wait for this thing to be over. And so I am hoping that Biden and, and everyone on the Hill, Republicans and Democrats can come together to make sure that this, that the vaccine distribution is um, top notch, that he can get 100 million vaccines into um, 100 million Americans in his first 100 days, uh, you know, the quicker that we can get this vaccine into people's arms, the better. Absolutely. And, and I'm so thankful that you're doing okay. Obviously, you could be 100%, but I'm thankful that you're well and you're able to, to take some time and rest and, and recuperate. And uh, the oxygen meter, I think, is interesting. I had not heard that before, so that's important information. But, you know, as we wrap things up today, I just uh, continue to pray for you and your family and everyone who uh, does uh, test positive for this. But uh, I just, like you, I just I pray we get to the other side of this soon and quickly and um, do it in a way that we can quickly address this and not not just from the medical standpoint and the health standpoint but the economic impact of of covid is something that also needs to be addressed so uh, best of wishes to you maria and as we wrap up each week uh we want to do so on a uh not a lighter note but but on a note that's uh positive or inspirational or meaningful this week will be meaningful and maria you might have something from from the um, inauguration, a special moment that stands out for you. Um, you might have something that stands out with regard to a recent being in, in Georgia or one of your recent trips. For me, I'm going to wrap up this week with something that, for me, it, it hits home for me and, and close to my heart um, in that we just found out the uh, my hero and my legend from childhood passed away. Um, Hank Aaron, who is the all-time baseball champion uh, growing up in Atlanta. We watched the Braves every day, every week, and I followed his, his every home run. And I remember the day that he hit his um, big 715 home run. Our family was out on the – we couldn't get tickets to the game that day, but we were out on the driveway banging pots and pans and celebrating for, for Hank Aaron. But um, what stands out with me is I just – he was such an inspiration for me as a young kid in Atlanta and a, an athlete who really I aspired to be so determined and dedicated like he was. But I, I came across a quote uh, from Hank Aaron today that uh, really speaks to how I felt about him. But he said – my motto was always to keep swinging, whether I was in a slump or feeling badly or having trouble off the field. The only thing to do was to keep swinging. <laughs> I love that, Alice, so much. And I'm so, I was hoping you would do this because when I heard the news this morning, as you know, I texted you because I knew how much of, a, of an idol uh, Hank Aaron was to you. And then when I came downstairs and I told Brian, he's like, yeah, I heard. And I, you know, he knew that you were like a big, big fan of his. And he's like, I bet you she's going to use a quote from him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure she will. And he sent me a couple of them. And that was my favorite one. So I'm so glad you used that, Alice. And again, I'm sorry that um, we have lost such an icon, but wow, what a life and, and what an, an amazing person to um, have showed us how to, how to live life to the fullest. 
Absolutely. And uh, I just will honor him and those precious memories uh, for, for years to come. So, yes, Alice, as you mentioned, I do have a quote from the inauguration, and it is something that our new vice president, Kamala Harris, said. And again, I don't think we can emphasize enough the importance of having sworn in the first woman, the first woman of color, the first woman who comes from immigrants from both sides, both her mother and her father, and what this means to the country. And so here's something that she said that I just think really speaks to the moment. This moment embodies our character as a nation. It demonstrates who we are. Even in dark times, we not only dream, we do. We not only see what has been, we see what can be. We shoot for the moon and then we plant our flag on it. And I just love that, Alice, because it demonstrates that anyone can plant their flag on it, including little African-American children, my Latino son and daughter. They will never look up and see a, um, a, an administration or a presidency without a woman there. And that, to me, is such a gift. And it is so indicative of what the possibilities are in this country. Exactly. And, and to, to that point, they will never not know that a woman can be vice president or a president one day. And I think your, your quote and your inspirational message was spot on, you know, keep planting your flag, like the vice president says, and like Hank Aaron said, keep swinging, uh, because that's the only way to succeed is, is just to keep going. And, and, and with that, Maria, again, I, I want to pray for your uh, speedy recovery and, and that of your family. And again, we appreciate everyone listening and tuning in to Hot Mics from Left to Right. And follow me on Twitter at Alice Tweet and Instagram, Alice Stewart DC. And we'd love for you to like and subscribe and follow and share our podcast. And I can be reached on Twitter at Maria T. Cardona on Instagram at Maria Cardona DC. Alice, thank you so much for your thoughts and, and for always reaching out and, and thinking of us. We really appreciate that. And everyone who has reached out to us during this time, uh, we really appreciate it. And hopefully next time you all hear this podcast, I will have been in person again at our grand studios in Alexandria, Virginia. Muchas gracias todos. Muchos besos. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.